Shalom, and welcome to the Community Podcast Series. My name is Leanne Jeppa, and I am the founder of Community Calgary, and I am going to be your host today. I am so thrilled to be talking with a very inspirational and passionate woman by the name of Jordan Guilford, founder and CEO of Gems for Gems Canada. Join me in welcoming Jordan to our community. Hello, Jordan, and thank you so much for talking with me today. It is my honor. I, I'm excited for this interview. It's going to be great. Fantastic. So let me just let everybody in the community know how I found out about this amazing woman that we're chatting with today. So one of our other community uh, members, Andrea Silverstone, told me about this amazing organization that she does work quite closely with called Gems for Gems Canada. And she thought Jordan would be uh, a great person to connect with to learn more about her organization and to hopefully be involved with community. So Jordan, let's just start with um, you telling me about Gems for Gems and all the great work that your organization does for women here in Calgary and all across Canada. Sure thing. Uh, so Gems for Gems began about seven years ago <clears throat> and it started with our founding initiative, which is our jewelry drive. Uh, which you are very well acquainted with. <laughs> um, so essentially what happened was I moved here from Nova Scotia to Calgary and I was at a dinner party in uh, November and all the ladies at the dinner, dinner party were telling me about the fantastic organizations that they were contributing to uh, over Christmas time, uh, very much focused around children, um, less of the families, but very much the children. And I thought it was amazing because coming from Nova Scotia, we have uh, so little in comparison uh, support wise, which blew me away. But one thing that I did notice too, though, is that <clears throat> there was nothing for the mothers. Sure. So um, when I was growing up, uh, we didn't have heat, hot water, food frequently. Um, and I knew that my experience had taught me that if, if the children have very little, the mothers have even less. Mm -hmm. So, although I think that the focus should definitely be on children, I think that uh, there's room to be able to give the mothers a little something special on Christmas too. So, I told um, I told the ladies at that dinner party about a specific memory from my childhood, um, and it's really the the story that started Gems for Gems. So, um, essentially, I was 14 years old, and my grandmother would give my brother, my sister, and I. $20 each and we would go to the church Christmas bazaar and we would buy for each other there with that $20 and we would buy toques and mittens and scarves and we loved it because we, we knew who knitted it <laughs> we got excited for the patterns and it, it probably sounds very menial but for us it was fun and we weren't um we weren't aware of that being a, a, a poverty thing at all right. but this particular Christmas <clears throat> I had started seeing my mom a little differently. My dad wasn't around. Mm -hmm. And um, as I started being interested in boys, mm -hmm. I started realizing that my mom didn't have someone holding her hand. Um, my mom didn't have someone opening doors and all the lovely things that, that I was all excited about. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went to my brother and my sister and I asked them if they wanted to pool their money together to give mom something special this Christmas. So immediately they said yes, and we went to the store and we bought what 
we thought was the most beautiful thing ever. It was a little bracelet and it had, uh, it looked like leaves kind of woven together and it had what we thought were diamonds, definitely plastic, <laughs> but it was sparkly and it was beautiful. And we were so excited to give it to her. So on Christmas morning we did and she opened it, started bawling and just Aww. left the room. And we were absolutely mortified. <laughs> But after a little bit of time, she came out and she had done her hair, got her makeup and put on her best clothes. And she sat us down and just told us that this little piece had put her back on her own radar. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So when I remembered that, I decided to try to do that for as many women as I could. Um, so I decided to collect gently used jewelry. And I had a goal that first year of 25 gifts. So <clears throat> we wanted to have three to five items per gift so that women could mix and match and, um, or have a set, whatever they wanted. And in three weeks, with a goal of 25 packages, we were able to do 436 packages. Oh, my which goodness. Which just blew me away. That's yeah. Amazing. And so that was really the start of Gems for Gems. And, and the neat thing about that is that's a lot of women contributing in order right. to make that happen. So suddenly overnight there was a lot of people knowing about this little <laughs> this little jewelry drive run by gems for gems <laughs> and it just has really blossomed from there we um we uh we moved on to being able to do motivational events in the public but i wasn't really feeling anything from them so i decided uh why not go right to the people that i'm trying to help so, so we we came up with our thrive program so we teach self-defense uh, financial literacy, uh, psychological coping skills, and resilience um, through that. And they're, they're the most beautiful thing I've ever been a part of. Women walk in not being able to make eye contact with us. And somewhere in the middle, they start lifting their heads up, raising their hands, smiling. It's a visual 180. It's amazing. Um, and I don't do anything. I introduce people. <laughs> I'm not even the one facilitating it. And just being in a space is just magical. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, but I started hearing people saying um, the same things frequently. And it was specifically around the self-defense. And, and to be clear, we, we teach preventative self-defense. So it's not about hand-to-hand -hand combat. Sure. It's about safety first. And then if, if you are grabbed or something, you're we are being taught ways to be able to get away, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. to fight back oftentimes. And the reason I'm specific about this is that oftentimes when women physically fight back like that, it makes it a lot worse. Right. So we're really focused on preventative um, and escape plans. So, <clears throat> um, but usually when we got to there, women started asking questions like what happens if I'm hit first? What happens if I'm cornered? What happens? Like and it, all of these things. And I realized most of them were planning on going back. Mm. So I wanted to be able to give women a, an opportunity to see remaining outside of the abusive relationship as viable and sustainable. Right. And uh, so that's when I came up with our scholarship program. Mm -hmm. So, um, yep, we launched our scholarship program and the women who we've gifted scholarships to each of the scholarships are $12,000. Oh, and um, yeah, so it's a big, it's, it, it is a really big gift that the community through Gems for Gems is being able to give these women because 
um, it's achievable in under a year, and it's it is the opportunity to have a complete fresh start and and cut ties and and to know that within yourself you're never going to be reliant reliant on the abuser ever again. Sure. Oh, so that's amazing. Yeah. That's really that's really a beautiful story. How you know you did something so special for your mom at a young age, but you could see the impact that it had. And it just kind of, it sounds like it ignited a spark in you that allowed you to do something so beautiful for, for the community here in Calgary. And this organization is also national. Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, so I, to be honest, that jewelry drive story and the jewelry drive itself was um, a huge spark, but it has been the community. Uh, another reason why I was so thrilled to be able to be uh, on this podcast, because I think mm-hmm. it's a really big testament to what community is capable of. Um, so the reason we're national is because of community, because our ambassador team um, was created due to so many people wanting to have a more meaningful role in our organization. And I didn't have, I didn't have uh, jobs for everybody. So I created an ambassador program and liberated the concept of giving back uh, by creating something that we call a livable commitment Mm -hmm. to both the cause and the organization. So when roles come up, I give it to our ambassadors. And one of those those roles is uh, being able to help distribute our jewelry across Canada. So it's very simple. And we've been able to do 18,000 Christmas gifts to women uh, since we started, all because of a people being willing, willing to go through their jewelry and contribute what they could and b people going home for Christmas and calling their local shelters right. and taking a little tote bag of, of jewelry <laughs> gifts home with them. So yeah. it's everything gems has, has achieved has been because of community. Right. Well, I remember at one of our uh, community meetings, Last year, when Andrea was there and, and she, you know, introduced us to Gems for Gems, and the response from the women there was overwhelming. Uh, and one of our members, Joy Feldman, she she went home and she went through all her jewelry and she put together, <laughs> I think, quite a large bag of, of beautiful pieces to donate to GEMS. So, you know, we're so happy that, you know, our community is able to contribute to your community, which helps the uh, the community at large. So it's, it's such an amazing thing that you're doing. Now I have a question about the ambassadors. How, how does one become an ambassador with GEMS for GEMS? So uh, there's an application online, um, but uh, our, our criteria is, um, very much if your heart's in the right place um we'd love to have you so uh the, the, i think the biggest difficulty that some people have is that when they decide that they want to be a volunteer with a specific charity they are uh, looking for a specific role as in i will do the books or i will run this or i will run that mm-hmm. it's just not like that with gems uh, because we're very different so 
men, like I mean, we take a women's shelter. There's there's a lot of specific tasks every single day that have to be um, have to be taken care sure. of. Gems is just different. We're very uh, public facing. We're very project based, mm-hmm. um, and especially during uh, COVID, we're very um, we focus on certain things, uh, but we're not running our normal programs in person, so we don't need the manpower that we used to have in that capacity. So it's very much about being our presence in the community um, and sharing things, talking about gems, looking for opportunities like these, like podcasts, like mm-hmm. anything, um, fundraising, what, whatever, whatever someone wants to be able to do for uh, our charity, we're happy to have them do. And just to be part of what we call being the change. Sure. Uh, one thing that's very important too for gems is that we are very inclusive Um so we have a large group of men uh, on our ambassador team as well. I very much feel that in order for us to be able to create lasting change, we have to work hand in hand with men and women. And, and we really seek to lead by example and change the dialogue and perception around uh, men's role in this. Sure. Okay. That's, that's fantastic. Now I have a question for you. It might be a, a difficult question and it, it might <laughs> take some thought, but how how do you see the community being able to end the cycle of violence? Um, that is a great question, <laughs> and I love that you asked that. Um, I think the biggest thing is that we've done a very good job at <clears throat> creating places for people to be able to speak out and speak up. And we have removed a lot of the aftermath shame. Um, however, there's a lot of structural pieces when women uh, come forward through the judicial system, um, specifically through that, that is very much designed. And I mean, I think this is the way it always works is that the legalities of things catch up after times have changed, right? They're always slightly behind. So I think. Uh, and this is no secret, there's there's definitely processes through the legal system that uh, re-victimize victims, which is sad. And I don't think anyone intends to do it. I think we're just, like I said, we're behind uh, where the rest of uh, the community has, has gone. But the other side is too, understanding and being able to communicate to the next generation what the warning signs are. Mm-hmm. So I think... Um, I think we have done a beautiful job of really empowering women, but I think uh, we have forgotten about our girls and we have definitely forgotten about our boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really feel that um, part of our job as liberated and empowered women is to be educated around warning signs and pass that on, pass it on to the boys and the girls. Um, I think um, there has never been a time where uh, there has been more temptations and more uh, sad, violence, dangerous things coming at our children uh, with less supervision and less guidance. Um, and it's a balancing act, right? Like we, we as moms and as women are, and, and fathers are going through our lives too, right? And we want to be living full, happy, healthy lives, ticking our own boxes. But uh, it's a, it is a very delicate balance uh, with parenting as well. Um, the, the amount of things that are in front of our kids are distorting their image of healthy relationships, yeah. of um, boundaries, of where they're allowed to have boundaries. And um, 
and, and I think we're we're headed for a major crisis in, a crisis mm -hmm. in this next generation if we don't start making some serious changes. But with those changes, I do think that we can really significantly decrease uh, domestic abuse. We just have to we have to really get that information out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, do you feel that in today's society, with what our young children are are facing or have access to that social media is a tool that can be helpful or can be harmful in this education process specifically around educating around domestic abuse yes um i think that it is a beast that we will not be rid of <laughs> and we may as well use it to our advantage. <laughs> uh, I think I think that the social media in itself is really uh, uh, problematic because it's built to be addictive. And we wouldn't give our kids alcohol or drugs um, that we know are highly addictive, but we do with social media, mm -hmm. right? And and this is this is hard because it fires the same areas in their brain, right? It, con it connects to them and their self-worth and their dopamine and all of that the exact same way other addictive substances are. And I'm not comparing, like they're obviously drugs and social media are on different levels, but we are um, enabling an addiction, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is really hard because their brains are not fully fully formed. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I think we have to use it to our advantage uh, because I don't think it's going anywhere, but um, I think there's ways to be able to use it. And I think um, there's things that kids do um, every day that we can start getting different messaging out there rather than messaging that further promotes other forms of social media or newer games or newer all that, like even ad space. If we could be getting ad space out there, educational ad space, um, that would be phenomenal because they're there. So why not? Why not those mandatory ads on YouTube that <laughs> kids just sit through? Uh, why are we not getting education out on those? Right. You know? Yeah. No, that's that's a really great point, and I think you're right. You could reach so many kids in such a positive oh. way by showing them um, a little bit of of, of humor human content, the real human content than yes. some of those yes. senseless ads that, that run constantly. Um, now, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the scholarship program. Mm -hmm. So how does that work? How, how would a woman be eligible and how does she learn more about the scholarship program through Gems for Gems? So, uh, uh, something that I think is really important that is uh, a, a differentiating factor with GEMS is um, the verbiage of uh, our overarching verbiage around this sector is domestic abuse mm -hmm. as opposed to domestic violence. And that's sure. not a popular opinion. <laughs> um, but for GEMS, uh, for us, it's incredibly important that the overarching term be abuse as opposed to violence because most people think of physical when they when they hear violence. Right. And when we say abuse, right off the bat, we want to communicate to everyone that uh, any form of abuse is equally deserving of what our resources are. Um, violence is one form um, to us. The physical side is one form to us. 
Um, so we really find it important to, to lead with the fact that all forms of abuse are equally deserving. So uh, anyone who has survived any form of domestic abuse is, will, is, is open to uh, applying for, um, for our scholarships. And um, obviously the, the financial need uh, it needs to be there. So, so there's that side. Um, but outside of that, it's, it's, we're really looking for people who are ready and willing and wanting to change their stars and, and really take their, their reins back and take this opportunity. The, the, it is uh, a rigorous selection process. They need to write an essay. Um, they need to have a referral. They need to have uh, verification from a doctor or a shelter or something that they have survived any form of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because the, the other thing too is that our scholarships are fully funded. So there's no government funding for the for them at the moment. It's fully funded by the community. Wow. So to me, that is a massive responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure that we are selecting women that are ready for it. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes people have the best intentions, but if they're not ready, then A, that's uh, um, that won't be a good experience for them if they fail, right? Or if they quit or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't it doesn't help them and their own self-esteem. But the other side is too, I, I have a massive responsibility to honoring what people support Gems for Gems for. Um, so we take that as an organization and I take that personally sure. very seriously. Um, but to that too, we have partnerships with our two schools that we currently work with, Avis College and the Aesthetics Institute, um, are matching our scholarships. Oh, so wow. when someone supports, yeah. So when someone supports our scholarship program, your your donation is doubled. Oh my which gosh, is very that's cool. amazing. Yeah, yeah. So we're very fortunate for that. Um, but yeah, so anyone that is motivated um, and has survived abuse uh, is welcome to apply, and and we would love that. And all that information is available on the Gems website. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And how many women, if you know the number to date, have benefited from that scholarship program? I know the number because it's small. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's four. So we needed to wait uh, for this to, for uh, Canada Revenue Agency to be able to uh, approve our scholarship process. And sure. everything with that takes a lot of time. Of course, of course. But, uh, but yeah, so in the last year, we've issued four, and that's $12,000 each. Yeah. So um, yeah, so it's, it's very exciting. And it's uh, and every single person who has gone through it is getting amazing marks. Like the the people that we have selected have hit the ground the ground running, and uh, it is exactly what we've been looking for. People Fantastic. who are so excited and and unbelievably grateful for the community giving them this opportunity. Sure. Wow, that's that's beautiful, and it really resonates with me because. In, um, in Judaism, there is a term, it's called tikkun olam, which means uh, to repair the world. And it basically means that each of us have a human responsibility to pursue uh, social justice and to be involved in, in charity, in acts of kindness. And the, the best way to give charity, I believe, is to help somebody get back on their feet again so that they can, you know, take take hold of their lives, take control of their lives, and 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 fulfill fulfill their dreams. So so that's that's amazing, Jordan. That that your uh, that gems does that for women. 
Well, I honestly, like, I, I feel very honored to have my role in GEMS and it's uh, every single bit of it is possible because of the people around GEMS for GEMS. And I, I, I too find it absolutely incredible. <laughs> every time I lift my head yeah. up from working, I'm like, goodness gracious, yeah. look at this. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah. And it's because it's the power of people coming together, yeah. like-minded people coming together. And, and I love what you said there because that's very much my mentality too. It's the give a fish or teach two fish. Yeah. And, um, and mm-hmm. we're all about sustainability and, and giving solutions to a problem rather than slapping a bandaid on it. Yeah, exactly. Now tell me a little bit about what GEMS has planned for this upcoming year. And uh, yeah. Well, I'm very glad you asked about this because I'm awfully excited about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I said, uh, GEMS, uh, especially throughout COVID, has really pivoted to really uh, looking a little bit, um, uh, we're looking for high impact and collaboration. Um, so our scholarships, obviously, like that, we're, we're so thrilled about our scholarships. Mm-hmm. But our Thrive program, we've really put on the back burner until we can start doing it in person. Um, the magic really comes from it being in person, and, and we we didn't feel the need to dilute that uh, because there's a lot of beautiful pivots that a lot of people have done uh online so there's just a lot more available to people so um i just didn't we haven't had the need to do that um and why it competes with other people doing wonderful things in the same type of way we're not Mm -hmm. looking to reinvent the wheel um so uh so we've kind of shifted a little bit and uh we're looking at a few projects that we've been working on for the last year one of which is and, and we're not sold on this name at all it's just currently called that um, a baby box, hmm. um, which I am incredibly excited about, but uh, it's not a nice topic. Um, it's in reaction to our board chair, Dave Sweet, who's the lead homicide detective here in Calgary, mm-hmm. um, bringing it to our attention that um, when a baby is discarded in a garbage bin or in an alley, um, obviously tragic and heartbreaking, but um, when the police look for who the mother was, um, there's a lot of women who um, are, are identified as being pregnant, mm-hmm. no longer being pregnant, and there being no baby. Mm. So uh, it's, a, it's a, sadly, a very easy thing to be able to discard a baby, and the chances are very much in your favor to not get caught. Right. But the interesting thing is that they're carrying it to term. Like they're carrying the baby to term, Mm -hmm. which means there's a window of opportunity to have a different choice made at the end. So these baby boxes are going to be um, in either a hospital or some other place um, that uh, hospitals are being our biggest obstacle right now because they're so overwhelmed with the COVID COVID situation, obviously. So that has been what has been stalling us. Um, But we're looking at a couple of different options. But essentially, there's a temperature controlled box that is uh, accessible to the outside of the building. And uh, the person with the baby can come put the baby inside the box. The box is closed um, and locked as soon as it's closed. And within two minutes, some staff are are alerted. So it would be a hospital staff who was in the, yeah, are alerted and they come down and they get the baby. And the beautiful thing about that is that in any other situation, 
the term would be that you have discarded your baby. Mm-hmm. In this specific situation, it is a surrender. Right. So it is a completely anonymous surrender. There are no strings attached unless the baby has been harmed. Right. So the police will not pursue. Sure. Uh, so the woman has the ability to be able to surrender her baby um, and have it be safe. Um, and with zero repercussions, which we have to assume has been what uh, has been the big fear uh, and led to the discarding. Of course. Um, yeah, so there, there's a lot mm-hmm. of reasons why women discard their babies, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of women in the sex trade that mm-hmm. are afraid of their babies um, being taken by their johns right. um, and held or put right into the sex um, trafficking world immediately, which no, is absolutely scary. heartbreaking. Yeah, so we're we uh, we're very excited at the prospect of being able to do this, um, and we hope to be able to get our first box done before the end of the year. So I'm very Aww. excited about that. That's amazing. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're we're obviously it's a sad reason, but everything about um, our our actions is sad, right? We're we're yeah. we are in existence because of women being abused, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. So. Um, it is sad, but I'm really excited at the prospect of being able to make large changes uh, like this. So uh, our goal would be to be able to have this baby box be common knowledge and a, and a, a known option. Um, mm-hmm. So that's super exciting. Another thing that we're working on is a program for um, young boys uh, to yeah. teach about healthy relationships uh, in schools. So um, one thing that's that's quite alarming to that is that um, in most schools boys are first introduced to sex in grade five and then healthy relationships are broached in grade nine and they're still broached through um, sexual dialogue so that's wild to me and further uh, gives a, a, a finger point towards why uh, relationships can go downhill so quickly as children because they're not there's there everything is being seen through the sexual lens before any talk of respect and um, and love mm-hmm. and all of that stuff is it's just not it's not getting there right. which is um, both a shock and also an opportunity sure. so yeah that is so cool Jordan I'm gonna stop you for two seconds because we have to just do a quick pause on our recording you're on those are super, super cool things, Jordan, that are planned for this year. Um, the whole idea of, of the baby box, I think, is amazing. Um, I don't know if you know, but in addition to community, I'm also a, uh, a nurse <laughs> and lactation consultant, and I've always worked within the uh, maternal uh, child world, uh, working in the postpartum units with with new moms and babies, and yeah, we do often hear of of very sad, very tragic stories like like you were referring to with with the baby box. And I think that this is something that would be very well received by the entire community. If you know, we can save uh, one baby um, or two babies or three babies. I mean, any any life that can be saved by this simple act is. Uh, is amazing. So yeah, I think this is a great initiative. I'm very excited to hear hear more about it as it rolls Thank out. You. 
Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to have you uh, working on it with us. I think yeah. that'd be great. Yeah, no, I think that's that's uh, <laughs> something I would I would love to be involved in. <laughs> One more thing to add to the to the all the list of passion projects that uh, that I do, but you know again, just being able to give to the community that has given so much um, to myself and to my and to my children and to my family and to and to so many other people. Um, I, I do believe that it is our our duty, our human responsibility to help, um, you know, repair the world. So it's it's beautiful, everything that you're doing. Now, there's one thing I want to ask you about as we kind of start to wrap things up here. Now, I, I heard that you used to train show animals. Is, is, that, is that correct? Yes. I, <laughs> I was homeschooled uh, for four years. And in that homeschool time, I was in 4-H. And, and through 4-H in Nova Scotia, I trained and showed ducks and sheep and cows. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did did you have a favorite animal to work with? Like was one type of animal easier to train and to show or were they all pretty pretty fun? Um so uh sheep and cows were a pleasure. <laughs> Ducks uh very difficult. <laughs> um, because they're not that swift. And uh, and uh, but interestingly, because they're not that swift, I had to spend a lot more time with them uh, to be able to get them where I wanted them to get them. And I uh, it ended up I, I won a lot with like I won everything with ducks, which is oh my a very odd thing to have. <laughs> In fact, actually, when when I first met my husband, I was eighteen, and um, I was trying to get a job and. And I was like, can you just look at my resume? And he's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was three pages long, number one, as an 18 year old. <laughs> and he was like, so I feel like some of this can get cut down. <laughs> and I was like, like what? And he was like, I like maybe grand champion duck showman. <laughs> like that probably can. I was like, but it shows patience. But it right. shows perseverance. Like, yeah, I don't think that that's going to come across. <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. funny. So I guess to tie it all up then, as you were so successful as a show animal trainer, with gems today, what would you say has been the key to your success? Uh, in my, the, the biggest thing that I think has dictated what's been possible with gems is the fact that um, I see all of my strengths and weaknesses as uh, equal opportunities to gems. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is I don't have any negative ego around where I'm weak and I'm weak in a lot of areas and it doesn't bother me at all. What it means is that I am, I see myself as being in a liberated opportunity to um, bring in people who are very strong in those areas. And I think a lot of people try to be good at everything and no one is. Right. And, and, and I think that especially when you're starting something new, you really hold back the potential of, of your new project or your new business by trying to be good at everything mm -hmm. you don't need to be and yeah. you can go farther and stronger when you're with great people than you can go alone trying to limp along in the areas that you're not good at mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so no, I just has been hugely collaborative, and and then that's that's why because I it's always just been seen as an opportunity for me, not sure. something that is a downside. Yeah, well, and that's what you know, community is all about. It's we're stronger together, right? There's strength in numbers. We all bring something to the table. We all have so much to contribute, and we can go so far when we we stand together and we stand strong. So. On that note, Jordan, I want to thank you so much for, for joining us today on our premiere edition of the Community Podcast Series. It was so great talking to you, and I can't wait to share this with the rest of the community. And I'm looking forward to talking with you more on how I can um, collaborate and support Gems for Gems. So thank you again, and you take care and have an amazing day, and we'll be in touch. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this and I can't wait to work with you more. Sounds great. All right. Take care. Thank you so much community for joining us today. And we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks.